There are 37,855 McDonald's restaurants in the world. Only one is outer space themed. And next door to it, a two-story alien holds up a Dunkin' Donuts sign. Nearby, the Walmart has a flying saucer painted on it, and the Arby's sports a big alien's welcome sign. In July of 1947, something happened in eastern New Mexico during a severe thunderstorm. Was it a flying saucer? Was it a weather balloon? Whatever it was, it sparked an alien fever that continues to this day. I'm Jason Epperson, and this is the See America podcast. From coast to coast, we see America one mile at a time, discovering stops along the way that are eclectic, historic, ridiculous, breathtaking, inspiring, and humbling. This week, Roswell, New Mexico, and the International UFO Museum and Research Center. This great destination is brought to you by Road Trippers, America's number one road trip planning app. Road Trippers helps people discover the world around them in an entirely new way by streamlining discovery, planning, booking, and navigation. Plan your unique journey at roadtrippers.com then use the app as your ultimate travel guide and navigator. Adventure doesn't come from the fastest route. Start exploring at roadtrippers.com. On June 14, 1947, William Brazel, a foreman working on the Foster homestead, noticed clusters of debris about 30 miles north of Roswell. Brazel told the Roswell Daily Record that he and his son saw a large area of bright wreckage made up of rubber strips, tinfoil, a rather tough paper, and sticks. He paid little attention to it, but returned on July 4th with his son, wife, and daughter to gather up the material. The next day, Brazel heard reports about people seeing flying discs in the sky and he wondered if that was what he'd picked up. He ran into the sheriff in town and told him that he may have found one of those flying discs. The sheriff called the Roswell Army Airfield, and an officer in plain clothes accompanied Brazel back to the ranch where more pieces were picked up. The Roswell Army Airfield issued a press release, which was immediately picked up by numerous news outlets. The many rumors regarding the flying disc became a reality yesterday when the intelligence office of the 509th Bomb Group of the 8th Air Force Roswell Army Airfield was fortunate enough to gain possession of a disc through the cooperation of one of the local ranchers and the sheriff's office. The flying object landed on a ranch near Roswell sometime last week. Not having phone facilities, the rancher stored the disc until such time as he was able to contact the sheriff's office who in turn notified Major Jesse A. Marcel of the 509th Bomb Group Intelligence Office. Action was immediately taken and the disc was picked up at the rancher's home. It was inspected at the Roswell Army Airfield and subsequently loaned by Major Marcel to higher headquarters. The next day, the Roswell Daily Record described it like this. The balloon which held it up, if that was how it worked, must have been 12 feet long, Brazel felt, measuring the distance by the size of the room in which he sat. 
The rubber was smoky gray in color and scattered over an area of about 200 yards in diameter. When the debris was gathered up, the tin foil, paper, tape, and sticks made a bundle about three feet long and seven or eight inches thick, while the rubber made a bundle about 18 or 20 inches long and about eight inches thick. In all, he estimated the entire lot would have weighed maybe five pounds. There was no sign of any metal in the area which might have been used for an engine and no sign of any propellers of any kind, although at least one paper fin had been glued onto some of the tinfoil. There were no words to be found anywhere on the instrument, although there were letters on some of the parts. Considerable scotch tape and some tape with flowers printed upon it had been used in the construction. No strings or wires were to be found, but there were some eyelets in the paper to indicate that some sort of attachment may have been used. So it clearly sounds like a weather balloon. A message then sent to the FBI quoted a major from the Air Force as saying that the disc is hexagonal in shape and was suspended from the balloon by cable saying that it resembled a high-altitude weather balloon with a radar reflector attached. The Army ordered the object to be flown to Fort Worth Army Airfield, where Warrant Officer Irving Newton confirmed the object as being a weather balloon and its kite, a nickname for a radar reflector used to track the balloons from the ground. Another news release was issued, this time from the Fort Worth base, describing the object as being a weather balloon. A press conference was held featuring debris of foil, rubber, and wood said to be from the crashed object, which matched the weather balloon description. Historian Robert Goldberg wrote that the intended effect was achieved. The story died the next day. The Roswell incident faded from the attention of UFO enthusiasts for more than 30 years. That is until nuclear physicist Stanton Friedman came across the story in the early 1980s and began the search for information and witnesses. That research brought him to Roswell, looking for the public information officer who issued the press release, Lieutenant Walter Hout. He still lived in Roswell and remembered the press release and the orders from his commanding officer. 30 years later, there were lots of questions about why the army basically confirmed they had a flying saucer and then almost instantaneously retracted it. Friedman interviewed Jesse Marcel, the only person known to have accompanied the Roswell debris from where it was recovered to Fort Worth, where reporters saw the material that was claimed to be part of the recovered object. Friedman's investigation also led to many others, both military and private, which added plenty of information to the Roswell incident story. Several hundred people who claimed to have had a connection with the events at Roswell were interviewed. Hundreds of documents were obtained via Freedom of Information Act requests. The conclusion of many was that at least one alien spacecraft crashed near Roswell. Alien bodies had been recovered and a government cover-up of the incident had taken place. The accounts given by Friedman and others in the following years elevated Roswell from a forgotten incident to perhaps the most famous UFO case of all time. Subsequent books, articles, and television specials brought notoriety to the New Mexico town. The first book was The Roswell Incident 
by Charles Berlitz and William Moore, who had previously written popular books on the Philadelphia Experiment and the Bermuda Triangle. They suggested that aliens were hovering over the New Mexico desert to observe U.S. nuclear weapons activity, but crashed after being hit by lightning. The authors claimed to have interviewed over 90 witnesses and contended that debris, which was recovered by Marcel at the Foster Ranch, visible in photographs showing Marcel posing with it, was substituted with debris from a weather device as part of a cover-up and was not permitted to be inspected close up by the press. In 1991, Kevin Randall and Donald Schmidt published UFO Crash at Roswell. Some new details included accounts of a gouge in the ground that extended four or 500 feet at the crash site. In 92, Friedman re-entered the scene with his own book, Crash at Corona, co-authored with Don Berliner, an author of books on space and aviation. This book contended that there were actually two flying saucers and eight aliens, two of which were said to have survived and been taken into custody by the government. Randall and Schmidt then responded with another book, updating their previous narrative with several new details, including the claim that alien bodies were taken by cargo plane to be viewed by Dwight D. Eisenhower. Lieutenant Colonel Philip J. Corso reported in his autobiographical book that the Roswell crash did happen and that when he was assigned to Fort Riley in Kansas in July of 1947, five trucks entered the base from Fort Bliss, Texas. He claimed that while he was patrolling the base, he was brought into the medical facilities and was shown the remnants of alien bodies that were from an air crash. By the mid-90s, the majority of Americans believed the story that aliens had indeed visited Earth and landed at Roswell, but that all the relevant information was being kept secret. It turns out the government was at least concealing something. In 1994, the Air Force released a report saying that the craft wasn't a weather balloon. It was really a top secret high altitude balloon designed to sniff out Soviet atomic tests. Were they lying again? The debate between skeptics and believers continues. Meanwhile, the town of Roswell enjoys the notoriety. The International UFO Museum and Research Center, located at 114 North Main Street, is a nonprofit corporation founded in the fall of 1991 by Walter Hout, who issued the original Army press release, Glenn Dennis, and Max Littell. The museum opened to visitors in the fall of 1992. It's housed in an old movie theater, and it's totally quaint and kitschy. The walls are covered floor to ceiling, mostly with documents and some alien themed artwork. And the exhibits are mostly recreations of what aliens might look like. In addition to the Roswell incident, the museum features information about crop circles, UFO sightings, ancient astronauts, and extraterrestrial abductions. The museum's research library houses more than 7,000 books and over 30,000 magazines, periodicals, and pamphlets and more than 1,500 DVDs related to UFO. You can use it like you would any library. Once visitors began making their way to Roswell seeking more information on the 1947 incident, a number of local residents in conjunction with the UFO Museum and the Roswell Chamber of Commerce came up with the idea of celebrating the anniversary of the Roswell incident every year during the first week of July 
the anniversary of when the crash took place. Since 1996, the Roswell UFO Festival has drawn thousands of visitors. There are lectures from leading UFO researchers, including Stanton Friedman. Main Street Roswell brings together numerous vendors of food, memorabilia, music, and live entertainment. They have alien costume contests for humans and pets, an evening light parade, carnival rides, and 4th of July fireworks. And if you can't make it during the festival, there's other stuff to do besides the museum, including the new UFO spacewalk backlight experience and alien-themed gift shops. But Roswell isn't all aliens. You might also love the Bottomless Lake State Park. It's home to nine small, deep lakes located along an eastern escarpment of the Pecos River Valley. They look like miniature craters. The escarpment is an ancient limestone reef similar to the limestone mountains around Carlsbad Caverns, 80 miles to the south. Most of the nine lakes are almost completely surrounded by the cliffs. There's also the superb Bitter Lake National Wildlife Refuge, a habitat for migratory birds such as the sandhill crane, whose annual arrival is a sight to behold. This episode of See America was hosted by me, Jason Epperson, with narration by Abigail Trebu. If you like the show, we'd love a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'd also like to invite you to follow the See America podcast on Instagram and Facebook and join the See America Facebook group, where we chat about some of America's great road trip destinations. If you're a national park lover, we hope you'll also check out the America's National Parks podcast, or come listen to Abigail and me talk about our life on the road with our three boys at the RV Miles podcast. This great destination was brought to you by Road Trippers, America's number one road trip planning app. Plan your unique journey at roadtrippers.com, then use the app as your ultimate travel guide and navigator. Adventure doesn't come from the fastest route. Start exploring at roadtrippers.com. <laughs> <laughs>